Hello everyone, welcome. In divine right order, divine right timing and divine right balance and harmony, we welcome all of you. And we welcome um, especially our guest today who's been with us, not just not the first time. So some you know her already and even those who don't know her, but you might remember hear about her name and that's Dr. Lee Merritt. And so we're really excited and thank you for coming back, Dr. Thanks Mary. For me. If we don't think that you're busy, we will always really ask you to come anytime. <laughs> so what we try to be considerate that you're busy. So for today, I just thought that we'll always connect whatever is happening um, in outside the topic, massive topic and disinformation of this pandemic, let's always try to connect that with other things that's going on because nothing is separated, okay? And it is just like all bubbles of disinformation and misinformation. And lately, I do know that you've been talking also about DNA, splicing DNA, manipulation, modification, which I, in my study with eternal life techniques has been happening not just thousands, but millions, and who knows, maybe it's a billions of years ago. So um, why don't we start with just tell the audience a little bit of, of how you really got involved with America, uh, America's frontline doctors, because it's just so fascinating when one person is speaking in just in maybe in a remote place and suddenly, boom, you're talking to the whole world. Right. Well, what happened was, I uh, I went down, I have an office in Omaha, Nebraska, and it's a, it's a metropolitan area of about a million people. And I got a call from a chiropractor friend of mine saying, hey, why don't you come down? I know you don't like the masks. Why don't you come down and help us stand against, they're going to try and implement a mask mandate. And I said, oh, sure, no problem. It was Ben Tapper, and you may know him. He's been out on the internet speaking quite a bit. And I said, sure, no problem, Ben, because Quite frankly, this is nonsense. It won't, this should be a slam dunk. There's no science behind this. <laughs> Silly me. I had no clue what the big, big juggernaut behind us was going to hit us. But anyway, I went down there and I thought, what, what can be happening here? He and I were the only two medical professionals standing against the mask mandate. I was the only medical doctor. The, the entire University of Nebraska was over on the other side saying how we had all this science and they had all these papers and blah, 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 blah. And they make it sound really, really good. You know, that's the problem when you argue with people that have imprimatur of their professors of medicine and things like that. You know, and I was once in, in an academic setting, but, but the point is, is that it, it shouldn't be about who you are. It should be about what you're saying. But but they didn't want to listen to anything except those guys. And so consequently, we got a mask mandate. But I had my three minutes to talk. And and what happened at the end of that, I was so disgusted what I'd heard these guys say. I just looked over there and I said, anyone at this point who is pushing this mask mandate is either being played or being paid. <laughs> and, and that got me kind of infamous. Okay, that, that went out on the web and suddenly I was on, they, they used that little video clip on Alex Jones. And the next thing I knew, I had Simone Gold, whom I didn't know at the time, call me and say, hey, would you like to come out, be a member and give the mask talk? Well, we were talking a little bit ago off camera about, about the issues in Canada, about escaping Canada, you know, where we used to think about East Germany and Cuba escaping those countries. Now it's Canada. But but really, I was shocked. After I went out there and gave this talk, and besides my video got banned everywhere, um, 
it was interesting that big McGill University, this huge university came after little old me. Here I am, you know, in this little town in the Midwest in my basement, uh, you know, just not even, uh, I didn't even have a broadcast studio at that point. I'm just sitting here, you know, doing little paper stuff. And suddenly they have a hit piece on me that says, walk away from America's frontline doctors. And then it said, Lee Merritt might be a good orthopedic surgeon, but she doesn't know about the science of masks. Well, okay, uh, excuse me? No, I think I do know something about the science of masks. And so does OSHA. And so did the environmental sciences people. So we knew it was not that. What really kind of hit me, I, I spoke at the, after that, I was asked to speak at Doctors for Disaster Preparedness. And one of the, the you know how you go to these meetings and at night, um, the night, the, the, you have the dinner meeting and there's always a dinner speaker. And the dinner speaker was uh, a, a well-known professor at Princeton. I won't, won't say the name, but anyway, and he gave a talk and he just, his, his was a, uh, not a technical talk, but he showed the picture of a Chinese, uh, um, what do you want to say? A, uh, a Chinese citizen in the 1800s with the, what we call the Manchu Q. Okay. Now, this that queue was a big long braid that the Chinese wore down their backs, and I in Omaha, I it's, it hit me a couple of reasons because Omaha was where the the railroads really took off. The UP railroad went out west, and we had a lot of Chinese. We still have a lot of Chinese from those days. The Chinese came out to work the railroads, and they all had that big long braid, but that was not their hairstyle. These were Han Chinese, and they wore a hairstyle. The men wore something up on their head. Why were they wearing this? Because they had been conquered by the Manchu. And the emperor said, you must wear this hairstyle at penalty of death. It was a sign of, of submission and um, that we will, you know, we'll follow the, the new leader. Okay. We'll be, be part of the empire. And it was so important. Remember that old show? You might not have seen it, but I mean, it was uh, about the Kung Fu show in the 60s with David Carradine. And one of the episodes was that the Chinese, or this, this was a recurrent theme in the show, the Chinese emperor would send... Uh, secret agents to America to really assassinate or take out any Chinese he found there not wearing the queue. Now that just tells you, the point is he reminded me of this, of the, I knew the story, but it just hit me when he put it all together because it reminds you of the huge power of symbols. And that's all this mask is. This is a power. This is a symbol of submission to these psychopaths that are taking it out the world. That's what it's always been about. It's, it, it's a visible sign. Oh, I'm going to follow orders. I'm going to do what Dr. Fauci says. I'm going to, you know, take to my basement and do all this nonsense. I mean, how nonsensical is it to stand in a circle that the government paints on your sidewalk six feet apart? There's no science that demonstrates that that has any benefit whatsoever. And yet we're doing it. We're still, I still go to the gas station where we have no mandates, no nothing where I live. and and yet. People are, self, are anti-social distancing. Don't call it. They change the language to give it credibility, like social distancing, like I'm a bad person if I don't stand that far apart. This is the psychologic war we're in, and masks are the key to that. Because I thought, why masks? And Simone told me when I was out to, to speak at the AFLDS, she said, yours will be the most downloaded video. And I thought, really? And then it I mean, it all put me together. So that's that's a long story, but that's that is so important because they're trying to take it back now. Who did I talk to? Somebody in Michigan today who told me they already have a school district that's put a mask mandate back on because there's some uptick in the COVID uh, cases. Really? 
How are they testing that? We don't have a test. Remember that the FDA withdrew the test, guys? I mean, first of all, it's just scientific nonsense at every level. So, but masks are key. Do not ever put a mask on ever again. I don't care. If it means not getting on an airplane, throw me off. I'm not going. Because that is, if we one time, if we start submitting to this again, we're dead. And that's literal. Because, you know, that's that's what I'm going to say is, the thing I've learned early on, this is, people have all these excuses of what's happening with, co with the so-called COVID. You know, you, you call it a scamdemic. I like that. You know, and they think, oh, you know, it's easy to write off as, oh, it's, they made medical mistakes. You know, they were trying, but it didn't come out quite right. Or this was an accidental release of a pathogen that they created in the lab, but it was accidental. Or maybe even it's a natural disease or it's a ploy to make money. No, it's really none of those things. I mean, let's, let's be honest what this is really about. This is a calculated depopulation plan that's been executed flawlessly. And this is where it gets into what I call the great DNA war, because what they've done is you've, when you look at who's doing this, you've married big, big money guys to very big high tech guys. And it has to do with uh, this new, it's AI, it's super, AI supercomputers, and it's bioinformatics where you can take a genome and you can digitize it. So it's now a computerized thing and you can manipulate it. So there are probably a hundred thousand people I've heard people estimate in the world that could actually change the human genome that have the technology, the understanding, the expertise to sit at their computer and play with this stuff and do it, figure out how to do it. And I, and I, again, the question with that is why are they doing that? Why is it that so focused for that DNA manipulation and DNA modification? So that can tie down to tie it with uh, the depopulation. However, it seems like there's more to it than just just the depopulation, but really beyond like maybe there's truly, and I believe maybe not a maybe, but if we just really know, because it was hidden to us who we really are as a human being, I think right. that is so hidden. And if now more than ever, I think some of us are ready to receive that education of, okay, that DNA of yours is so special, so important, right. so don't let anything mess with it. And I can, when, mm -hmm. and, and, when and, and tying back to that, um, ma to the mask and symbols, yeah, I was telling you earlier that, yeah, your first thing you see, friends, contacts, they're so proud they did this, they did that, all in social media. The second time, they're in the hospital, so now they right. ask for your prayers, so you know you share that. And then the third time is now you pray for their rest in peace. Right. And still, how come, the, what's your thought and why um, we some are really immune to to the to the truth <laughs> or oh let's say yeah, there, that's the real DNA problem that there seems to be an a, a, in there's some immunity to to truth I get that um, you know again we're in a multi phase war we're you know the and there's several good things people should read I, I really recommend Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars it's a tiny little book. And it was not made to be a book. It was it was an accidental find of some notes from a meeting of the big guys in 1950s. And they talked about the fact that these humans are just too populating too much and they're too greedy. And the only thing, and we tried depopulating with wars and it was too messy and took out their, took out 
some of our infrastructure and our, you know, cost us some money. We don't like that. You know, might take out one of our chateaus. So in the future, we're just going to have to do benevolent slavery and genocide. And if you're going to kill that book again, silent, it's weapons. called silent weapons for quiet wars. Quiet. And um, the, and I, and I know the guy I have, I have, evidence of provenance, just like art, you know, this was a found document. So, but I happen to know the guy who knows the guy who found it, you know, serious, serious people here. So, um, but, but here's, here's the thing. So if you're going to mass murder the population to get us down to what they claim, look at, I don't know if you know about our Georgia Guidestones, but somebody creepily put up these stones in Georgia on a mountain, I mean, on a hilltop, a little hillock, and it's it's talking it's written in all sorts of languages, including in like you know Ubuntu or something. I mean, it's just all sorts of weird between computers and all sorts of every language on earth practically. And it talks about having to decrease the population to to five hundred million people, which means exterminating six and a half billion people. That's what they're talking about. And they don't use those terms, but that's that's what this is looking like that they're trying to do. Now, if you were going to do that. What would you want to do? Well, you don't want to exterminate your own people, right? So you have to figure out a way that I can kill you and not kill me in a mass way. And I think that's what this DNA was about. I can remember, I mean, it goes back far, much farther, like you say, way back. I mean, to biblical times and whatever. But but in my lifetime, I can remember being in private practice uh, in, the, in 2000. And I remember the news that the Chinese were starting to complain that some guys from Harvard were over there scavenging and, and surveying their DNA. And they were making a complaint about that. And I said, I just did one of those little data points that now is coming back to me. And I, I kind of remembered that. And I said, huh, that's interesting. I wonder what's that all about. But if you look historically, so what happened is they, they started scavenging. Apparently, we sent we had researchers over there scavenging their DNA. And then we had, um, later on, we had uh, from Harvard, uh, or not from Harvard, we had the, we had in 2017, more recently, Putin complained that we were out surveying their DNA and specifically pure Slavic people. And when somebody said, oh, that's not true, he said, oh, yes, it is true. And it's being done very professionally. And our Air Force had to actually fess up and say, okay, yeah, it's us. Because um, they had a neurosurgeon over there paying money to locals. Apparently, they were paying money to locals for allowing their CSF to be sampled. So putting a needle or, or opening up your spinal canal, sucking out some cerebral spinal fluid and getting some special tissue for DNA sampling. That is very professionally done. And what's it all about? And then more recently, we heard that the Chinese were sampling the Uyghurs. Okay, they're they're kind of unfavored minority over there. So they so this has been going on. Uh, think about one, two, three, and me and Ancestry.com. You know, they sold it to us because they thought you want to know if King George is related to you. They don't care if King George is related to you. They just want your DNA. And then remember when we when we said when people people would come up to me early on they'd say are these PCR tests safe because they've heard about this jamming up the nose and I'd say well you know I don't really know yet what's on these or what how safe they are but I can tell you this I'm not willing to give them my DNA and people said oh that's conspiracy theory well guess what this company signpost I mean I've, there's you can find all this this is documented it's not conspiracy anything signpost C I G N post 
and it was in England. And this was a company that took all these DNA samples saying specifically, we won't do anything with them. It's just for your health testing for COVID. And guess what they did? They sold three and a half plus million of these before they got caught to third parties. So now the other bit of information that I think is a little shocking. Well, it wasn't shocking to me that China has over 50% of the high-speed genetic sequencers in the world. And they've been involved in a program to sequence. They're working on sequencing a million plants, a million animals, and a million humans. That's, that's a project that they have going. Now, more recently, um, you know, we've been doing uh, the same kind of thing. It turns out that the air, again, the, I didn't know why the, I'm, the air force is involved some here. I was talking to somebody completely. I can't prove this one. This was not something I read. This is somebody I talked to a retired military general. And he told me that the air force had the biggest number of genetic sequencers of all the services. And I thought of all the services, it's like, you know, I spent 10 years in the Navy. Really now we're doing genetic sequencing as part of warfare. Isn't that interesting? You know, what's our military doing doing genetic sequencing? Don't tell me it's just research for the DOD doesn't do things to make, you know, it's like it's like when the DOD gave Charles Lieber all that money. They didn't do it because they wanted a chemist to make coffee taste better. He was doing high grade, you know, weapons research. So that's what this is all about. Now, how does it play out? Well, after COVID broke out and we understand what's going on. We don't still understand everything. But what we know is that there's a little particle, nanotoxic particle called the spike protein. You don't have to postulate a virus at all. All you have to know is that this spike protein has been sequenced. It's been manipulated in a lab. It's genetic, and it's been wrapped in a lipoprotein coating that allows it to get into your mucous membranes. And then it attaches to the ACE2 pathway. Now, the ACE2 pathway in humans is just a, it's, it, think of it as a it, I, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like plugging your electrical cord into your socket. So you've got the two parts here. You've got the spike protein and you've got the ACE2 pathway. And once it plugs in, it does bad things. This is a pathway that controls your sodium reuptake. It controls your blood pressure. It does a lot of stuff. So how do we, sorry, I got something in my eye here. Uh, how do, so what does this matter? Well, what if I could come up with a, with a genetic difference? So my people, Whoever I am that's running this show, and you can argue who that is, but I'm the big guys that paying for all this research and I'm running this show. And I have people all over the world that are related to me and in my tribe. I don't want to hurt them. What if I could come up with a way to not hurt them, but to hurt the everybody else? Well, it turns out it's maybe this ACE2 pathway that is genetically determined. And it's, it's, I thought it was, I, I was wrong. I, I've been saying it's, it's a, it's a, a mitochondrial DNA link. It's not, it's a, it's a, sex-linked X chromosome thing. It's on the female chromosome though. And so what it is, is that there are certain genetic groups that have less stickiness. So some people, that, that spike protein won't bind their ACE2 pathway or very, very little. It might stick for a minute and then leave, okay? Other people, it's, it's, it's bad. So let's, so let's look at who it sticks to. And this is, I can show you the paper. I can't, I, I, I mean, I don't know how to share, but I have the paper on my computer. I'll be glad to share it with you. And there's several papers about this. And it has to do with the genetic, you know, proclivity to, to have stickiness. And, and it, so at the top of the pyramid, the top of the people that are seemingly targeted here are, are people of Caucasian race from, from European ancestry. So the Irish, the Polish, the, your host, Roy, you know, you guys, we're all at the very top of this. Okay. 
and then that's and, and in relative now I'll give you relative numbers that has to do with kind of upregulation. There's different ways the numbers are different depending on what you're measuring. But let's say it's 56% upregulation for Caucasians from Europe, excepting Finnish. They're different. And then you move down and it's uh, black. And they didn't test everybody, by the way. So these are just the groups they tested. Black Africans and non-African blacks, 30, 39%. So 56%, 39%. And then it drops way down to Asians and Finnish. It turns out that the Finnish came from the Korean Peninsula. Who knew? But they, you know, so they 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 segment off with the with the Asians, and that's only 10%. And then at the very, very bottom of the of the pyramid at, at essentially zero is the K26R genetic line. Now, I'm saying it that way because it isn't any one racial group. It's a lot of groups. This K26R just is a genetic line that apparently came out of the area that is now, bingo, Ukraine and Eastern Europe, okay? And what, what you've heard called maybe the old Khazarian empire, that may be what's happening here. That, that that diaspora brought these people out and they tended to be very smart people that were very good with finances, very tough warriors. They, they're all sorts of things. So who are in that K26R? The key point is look at those populations that kept their bloodline pure for reasons that are a variety of reasons. Like one simple one, the Amish, okay? The Amish are K26R. Now, I don't think the Amish are the people trying to take out the world. I think it's interesting that the Amish purposely eschew all technology. Maybe they knew something thousand years ago and they've passed it on to their children, but they, they are, they're part of this because just they're isolated, religiously isolated. They live in communities, they marry each other. So they get some genetic diseases because of that, but they also keep this, this K26R bloodline pure. Um, look at the, the, the royalty in Europe. Okay. Um, that's why I think I actually have this probably because it turns out I'm the daughter of the daughter of the daughter of the Duke of Westphalia. So, um, you know, it, it's not, there's no one group, the central bankers. So Ashkenazi Jews are tend to be case who six are. Okay. So, and, and lots of people around the world. I mean, this is not, uh, I'm trying to think of some other groups that, but it's, be, but, but then the bankers are, in, so the bankers, think about the big banking houses. They also intermarry. The Warburgs marry the Schiffs, marry the Rothschilds. I mean, that doesn't, that, we think it's, you know, we, you know, I was one time at a British embassy thing in Washington, D.C., and, and I was joking with the science officer about the royals that year. And he said, oh, we keep them around because you Americans are so fascinated with them. But really, you know, we've always thought it was so cute that they married, you know, that they had to define, they had to look at, look at the book, Beer, uh, Burke's Peerage to figure out who to marry, whom to marry, you know, like, like, we don't do that. Normal people, we just, we just get married, right? We find somebody that we want to marry and we marry them, but they have to do all, now they do DNA testing. I mean, they have to do all this kind of creepy stuff before they marry somebody. What's it all about? Well, this is what it's all about. These are people that are keeping their yeah. DNA. They may not have known about the ACE2 pathway 30 years ago. They didn't. They didn't end 100 years ago. They didn't have that way to do it. But they had this peerage system so they could keep track of who's who based on who, how they're related to Charlemagne. Now, in America, where we think we... Go ahead. If I may just... Yeah, that's what it's about. If I'll just share something also, Dr. Merritt. And, I, and that's why I mentioned that it's been going on for you know, millions of years because there's really something special with 
you know, the different races. And when I say different races, it go even goes beyond to just being an Asian, being, you know, being uh, Anglo, being um, Anglo-Americans, right? So, and this is now when we didn't know a lot of eternal teachings. So we didn't even know how to protect our DNA. And I think that purity has something to do with that eons of years that they have already, let's say, mutated or or manipulated. So now they do know that they have to protect certain things. But my 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 thought is that how can we? Because it's so obvious, we always hear about the Chinese that is in the lab. But then. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that American government and other governments, even Russia, also have their own labs. But then it's so how which of the countries have well, so many bio labs, and how are they? How what is that? Is that that's the, who really that, did it? Right, yeah, and important of that to this DNA. Why? And then, of course, the third one, and you don't have to answer any of my thought or respond to my thought because I'm going to pass it on to Roy. But also, so when we hear these things, what are we going to do to learn more about ourselves, our DNA, and right. really use our DNA to protect us from all of this? Right. Well, I, and I think we are learning that. I do think, see, I think it's, you, you know, when you're in a war, situational awareness is key. You have to understand, you have to have intel. If you don't, you know, lying to yourself does not help you win a war. Okay. We're in a war for our very existence and we have to be honest about what's going on here. We can't keep worried about, you know, hurting somebody's feelings for the purpose of hiding the truth. And we've had the truth of our own DNA. You're right. Hidden to us for a long time. It does not work. The DNA does not work um, from what we've been told in, in high school biology and college biology. It just doesn't work. So it, and in terms of your question about the biolabs, I will tell you, and you can go back further than this, but I mean, you know, in, in after World War II, there was a famous uh, Nobel laureate from Australia, for example, that recommended that his government start worrying, working on bioweapons to depopulate Southeast Asia, because he was afraid that there was going to have a population too much and it was going to be a threat to them. So there are evil people. Don't, that's one of the things we have to accept, that there are people out there with no human empathy and they're willing to murder mass murder in order to obtain their goals so the, that's a first truth we have to understand the second thing is is that and it bothers me a lot right now is that with all the talking the one thing nobody's really talking about and maybe there's a reason and maybe i mean i'm not suicidal by the way just so i want to point this out is who the names are of the people that are really, really involved. Not that, not just, it's easy to say, oh, it came, broke out from Wuhan, like that's a person or a thing or something we can do at. No, that's not what it is. In 1991, we actually uh, signed the, new, the, it was the Nunn-Luger Act. And Nunn was a senator, Luger was a senator. And the idea was the Soviet Union was breaking apart. There were all these socialist republics that were breaking away and they were impoverished now, but they had stockpiles of nuclear weapons. They had bio labs and it wouldn't be right to let this stuff just get floated out there and, and be and go to go to some some ugly nation. We should take them over. So we allocated 400. I mean, this is very clear stuff you can find yourself. We allocated 400 million dollars a year for four years under the 
cooperative threat reduction agreement. Okay. And we bought those labs. Now it's not just everybody that wants to say, Oh, they're bio labs in Ukraine. I didn't know. Of course you knew because you signed the documents for them. Okay. We staffed them. We ran them and they weren't just in Ukraine. They were in Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Belarus, Georgia, you name it. They're all over. So what we did Okay, during the Soviet Union, they had the military bioweapons program and they had biopreparat, which is the, you know, the, the civilian kind of version. They, it's also military somehow, but it was and, and um, we had a we had a defector, uh, Ken Alabek, who was actually Kanajan Alabekov. And he's a he's a Kazakh, but he was a second in command there. He defected the United States. He told us a lot about these. So when the whole wall thing came down and fell and we did this non Luger Act, we went in and bought up all those labs and we sent our people. In fact, we weren't even hiding it. In Tbilisi, Georgia, there's a lab called the Luger Lab. It was named for Senator Luger. And we had cooperative agreements with the Georgians that if we accidentally killed somebody in our experiments, they couldn't hold us harm to us. You know, I mean, that's that's the level of this. So we had people go over there in the 90s and take charge to do research and. Uh, we funded them. We staffed the labs. They were all around Russia, surrounding Russia, and they were producing bioweapons. Now, I'm just going to mention one name, but I'm going to tell you, you've heard other names. And when you hear these names, it's not in relation to these labs, but these are people that know what's going on over there and they're not talking. Okay. But Michael Callahan from Harvard was sent over there. He's probably sitting in his ID office today, just seeing patients. Nobody mentions, these guys are not speaking out. Okay. But you can find him. He went over to, he was in, in, the, in the, I can't remember the year, but I think it was in the, in the 90s, late 90s, he and a Thai colleague published a paper because when he went over, he was put in charge and it's in his bio when he went to an, a gain-of-function research um, consortium and, and he was one of the speakers that this came out of his bio. He, he was sent over there under this command threat reduction to do three things. One was to take over these old labs of biopreparat and to increase vaccine chemistry, vaccine research, vaccine production, and to be head of gain-of-function research. And what was one of the things they were doing? They were categorizing bat coronavirus, okay? This is in the 90s, us. And um, he had, he, again, he published a paper about this, with a, about bat coronavirus way back with his, with his Thai colleagues. So I'm telling you, we had people over there. Um, and when you hear that even the Russian general to just this last few weeks came out with that big spreadsheet flashy thing about who's doing who I'm going to reveal who did all these labs. It was the red shirts. Okay. That what they're telling you about are people that built the buildings like black and Veatch. And they're telling you about who was the uh, clinical director, the administrator of the lab. These are not the people doing bioweapons research. Nobody's naming their names, you know, and, and we need to start naming those names. And I, you know, I'm kind of in a situation sometimes where I'm asked to go speak with people that I know must have been involved. And it's really hard because, you know, I don't want to, you know, how do you deal with that? But they need to speak out because they're not going to, because I think it's not going to look good. But that's the problem we have right now. It's the same people. And it's just like after World War II, by the way. You know, we think of Project Paperclip, which was that when we went in and we got the Nazi scientists out, okay, 
we think that we got rocket scientists. We Every time you see the picture of Project Paperclip, what do you see? You see a picture of Werner Von Braun in a nice suit because they took him out of his SS uniform. He's in a nice suit and he's standing in front of a whole bunch of engineers. And that's the, 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 the poster child for Project Paperclip. But the number one thing they really went after, and there's a, a book that a lady wrote about this that's really good, but I, there's, there's other information out there where I found this, is that they went after chemists and they went after vaccine chemists. Remember thalidomide, that drug that made the flipper arms that gave all these birth defects that they took off the market in the 60s? Okay, where did that come from? It came from Auschwitz. It was Otto Ambrose. And while he was working on the Buna plant and he was doing chemical research, he developed that drug as a sedative in Auschwitz. He got put into prison after the war for a few years. And then he went out and he was an advisor to British, uh, which are, they're all, it's an international conglomerate of pharmaceutical industry. And that brought out thalidomide as a drug. Okay, thank you very much. But that's what we did. We hid those people. We did not kill those people. We did not keep them in jail for their natural lives for committing mass murder. Those people that were the chemists and the scientists that brought us some of the stuff that we saw and the bioweapons research out of there, we brought them in and we made them part of our pharmaceutical companies. And that's where we are today. And it's, you know, um, there was a guy, Herbert, I want to say Gersten, can't remember his name. He came to MD Anderson and under the guise of cancer research, killed a bunch of people, irradiated them. He was a German Nazi um, medical scientist. And it was to see, because they were worried about, I think they were worried about back then, what would happen in uh, to nuclear or to radiation um, effects on pilots at high altitude if we got into space and blah, 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 blah. So what did he do? He just irradiated cancer victims at M MD Anderson. See, and nobody's holding, holding anybody accountable. And we're when you ask how we get out of this, I'm going to tell you, at every level of government, we have to hold people, not, not organizations, accountable. So in my state of Iowa, okay, they're coming after doctors because we've speak we've been speaking out. We you know, I don't I don't even practice medicine in Iowa except to take care of Iowa patients that 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 consult me in my Nebraska office, right? Um because I live right, you know, I I live across the river essentially. So what happens is is that it's a speech war. They're really shutting people up and it's the Iowa Medical Board that's doing it. But I don't think it's all the board members. Some of them may be innocent in this whole thing and some of them not. We don't know because they hide behind it's the Iowa Medical Board, right? We can't do that anymore. You know, what we're finding out is that there's a federal lobbying group that has put investigators on all the medical boards around the country to come after doctors and taught them how to do this, okay? But the medical board themselves are the responsible agents and they have to realize it's going to be like Nuremberg. You, and, and it's going to be better because Nuremberg really didn't hang enough people. I'm going to tell you, Nuremberg didn't really take out the bad guys. We incorporated into our government. Okay. We took, we took, you know, um, uh, the head of the CIA Russian division came right from the Nazis. We took so many people. I'm just blanking on his name. Galen, the Galen org. We took general Galen. We gave him a complete pass on any war crimes. We put him into the CIA and he's, and that's what became our Soviet division, which was the largest division in the CIA. We did that with chemists. We did that with doctors, even probably Mengele. I'm going to tell you, I think it's going to come out that Mengele went to Stanford, but I can't prove that right now. I'm working on it. But I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing that we're going to find out. Well, 
you can't hide behind organizations. The organization needs to go down. They need to get blamed, but the individuals need to get taken to task. And seriously, because they're killing a bunch of people. I mean, and it's not always, you know, and the last thing I'll say, and then I'll shut up, you know, like, look at Harvard. Years ago, three Harvard physicians were paid by the sugar industry. This has now come out in official JAMA news. You know about this. They were paid to lie about the relationship of carbohydrates and heart attacks. So they turned the attention to saturated fats, which now we know are not the problem at all and could have saved lives. Are they guilty of mass murder? I mean, you know, when you lie about health issues purposely for the purpose of money, you should go to jail for the rest of your life. You know, if you did that, because we can prove they killed millions of people, essentially. Well, thank you for being fearless and calling their names. Roy, right. carry on. Thanks, Grace. With the Nuremberg trials, like I'm convinced that was a pony show because everything that I've investigated, everything has been infiltrated. And I yeah, think no, they were just... I missed what you said the first part. Who's infiltrated? Like with the no, like NATO, EU, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. every single thing. So I think with the Nuremberg trials, it was basically just getting rid of the low-hanging fruit. And yep. all the big boys were okay. So now, like, we can't let them. Like, the courts are infiltrated. Every single thing has been infiltrated. Right. Well, and that's, I want to believe that Durham in America, if you're following any of our politics, you know, we have the Durham investigations and they always say, we're going to hang these people. We're going to, we're going to put them in prison, you know, Hillary, blah, 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 blah. And somebody puts out this picture today on Truth Social and it's a picture of the Punisher logo with Durham's beard on it. Well, okay, but who's he actually punished? Again, they drag these things out. They do a lot of talking and maybe he will actually punish somebody. But the only people right now being punished are peaceful protesters that went to the January 6th, you know, protest in Washington, D.C., which I did attend. I mean, come on now. So you're right there. And, and so part of me thinks I'm just this is that the, this is my I can't prove this either. But my just this is my philosophy at this point. We have to take back our world locally. But when we come to dealing with taking back our countries. I think it's going to ultimately be um, kind of like Myanmar. Maybe I'm pronouncing that wrong. It's going to be a military take back. I don't think, because I think the control, unless we can diffuse, unless by taking out people locally, we somehow stop the, the feeder mechanism of control. And why is it that they're all infiltrated? Because there's a, you can't do that unless there's a protection mechanism. And what's the protection mechanism? And there we get into this really satanic child trafficking, murder, pedophilia crap. It's really, really ugly. And I, you know, when when Trump first, you know, was in office, that was his first thing he went after was it was sex trafficking. And I thought to myself, doesn't he have something more important like the economy to worry about? And the answer probably was no. So you're right. We're all it's and and how do you take? It's like when the mob gets control of a city. How do you take it back? Because anybody that tries gets murdered. And that's why I'm not being completely facetious when I say I'm not, I, I'm not suicidal. You know, is there certain things that haven't been talked about? And I know like one of them uh, that has four letters. It's an acronym that deals with cancer uh, metabolism. And I'm not talking about it. <laughs> you know, I just, I'm not going to fight that war. I'll tell you, it starts with a G. I'm not fighting that war. I don't know. I don't. 
people ask me about it all the time. I'm just saying there are over a hundred researchers dead that we're looking at that. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to get into that because I don't know enough to, to say anything, but that's the kind of thing. There's certain things you don't talk about. And maybe these bioweaponeers are the certain things you don't talk about. So, but I'm at least going to name that one, you know, but that's what we got to do. We're going to have to take back individuals and hope that somebody out there is, that there's a bigger plan. I really hope there's a bigger plan. Something's happening. We, I think we have to take over the little towns, the little cities, because they need every layer to do this. And that's true. With with, with the kind of going back to the DNA, because I'm I'm not traveling because I don't want to have you know that uh, PCR test that doesn't test for anything rammed up right. my nose. But <laughs> with because all the hospitals have been infiltrated, we know about all the kickbacks and you know how it's all controlled. Are they not taking the DNA from the baby when they're born with the umbilical cord? Plus, I know they're taking their foot. Probably. Yeah. So Probably. See, I don't know. I mean, it would be great if everybody didn't have to have their baby in the hospital these days. Um, but some, pe some people do. I mean, there's unfortunately, there are just some high risk issues. I wouldn't have been able to have kids without C-sections. But, you know, that's the problem. Now, as much as possible... I think we need to take back our medical health outside the hospital. There's where the 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 naturopaths, the homeopaths, all the stuff that we we you know didn't pay attention to in classic medicine. Uh, hyperbaric oxygen therapy is big. You know what we're talking about, and Sherry Tenpenny's got some stuff going, and I've uh, you know a lot of people talking about this is having little home pods, little community pods where you have equipment. Like how many people? We'd have to go to the hospital with anything if we could do fluid care, antibiotics if we needed it, and uh, oxygen therapy outside the hospital. The problem is they've made it almost impossible for private doctors to prescribe oxygen therapy for outpatients in America. And I bet it's true with you guys too. Unless you're part of the system, you can't prescribe a lot of things. The good news is there are other ways of doing it. So yeah, no, they're, they're blocking everything. And I suppose because I know that uh, you're you, you like you you're talking a lot on kind of natural health and the, the tablets like because that's one thing that I done once the minute I heard about this thing I started taking iodine zinc and vitamin C vitamin D and my parents mm -hmm. did as well and none of us were sick like for you know a right. few years and it just shows like all the food is just toxic the chemicals that are being sprayed at the moment going into the water going on the crops and you know you just know you're not getting the nutrients some perhaps talk a little bit on that because i think it, it all comes back to us because a lot of people they're looking for the savior the savior is ourselves. we have to look after ourselves and understand it yeah well and the first thing is don't let them inject you with anything don't you know they what they would what i'll tell you is they've been trying to kill us for a long time but they just we are just wonderfully made you know god made us in such a way and i think our dna is our radar our antenna how we get god's signal you know that's how, that's how i kind of look at it that's why they really want to get at our dna so but they couldn't do it they tried with all these diseases i think they created a they I'm, I'm sure they created Marburg, probably Ebola, probably so many of these other things. I don't really think they're emerging infectious diseases and viruses like we think. They made a whole system of lies to convince you you could be made sick by people that walk by you and things like that. I mean, all this stuff. So don't don't listen. Don't listen to the psychopaths that are killing you. It's like listening to Tokyo Rose in World War II. I mean, don't do that. It's not going to help you. Don't let them stick anything into you. I have I give a I gave a 45 minute talk down at the Trump club in Florida. And I had these, you know, little ladies come up to me, little lady being 
couple years older than me, uh, come up to me and say things like, well, I took the, I, I took the one vaccine. Um, should I take the second one? Or I, I, I didn't take the vaccines, but how about the shingle shot? And I mean, it was like after 45 minutes of telling them about these, the, the, the psychopathic program that is, this is, and how these bad, these things are, uh, I finally said, ma'am, you know, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even, I don't even want to buy toothpaste from these people. So that's number one. Don't let them sell you on stuff. You're right. We have toxic, we are, we are natural people eating synthetic food. Let's start paying attention. I have a whole symposium on my website now that I'm, I'm selling. It's like eight parts, but the one it's about one of them is about, you know, diet is huge. You, you, as you, you know, the, that's what the naturopaths, you spend all your time studying diet. We spend no time studying diet, but the, but you know, I remember um, Jack LaLanne in the fifties was a big famous, you know, TV uh, exercise guru. And he lived into his nineties doing fingertip pushups at age 92. He was an awesome guy, but it was a simple eating program. If, if man made it, don't eat it. And if you really look at the grocery store in America, it's mostly man-made junk. So start eating correctly. Now, then we've got our problem with the, the, the chemtrails and all that stuff. Fluoridation of water. I mean, I have to tell you, uh, you know, a dirty little family secret is that my dad did the original research on how teeth calcify. He was a, a, an MD, DDS, a PhD, and he, he really worked on, on this science in Rochester, New York, and came up with the first fluoride toothpaste. <laughs> Didn't patent it, which is why I'm, I'm, I'm having to work. But, but the, um, the thing of it is, we've known for years that the, that fluorides were bad for us. The EPA scientists literally staged a walkout because they knew it was bad. And yet we still fluoridate our water. What the heck? You know, uh, it was using us used a sedative, sedative in the gulags and the Nazi concentration camps, but we're using them on our children. That should be comforting. I mean, at, at every point. So we got to take every level of our health back. You're right. And I, I think that we physicians, it's what to me is the biggest tragedy of my own profession here is watching doctors talk away what is happening. I mean, they, you know, you mentioned, Grace, you mentioned like the, the person that, that was so proud that they took their vaccine, you know, they have the, the tattoo of their, the tattoo of their vaccine passport on their arm, and then they start getting sick. And then six months they're dead, but their family still doesn't equate it to the vaccine. The doctors should but they don't equate it to the vaccine. Um, I just had, a, I, I put out, I, I'm on true social. And I just put out a, a truth. There's a, in fact, she might be Irish. She's from Edinburgh. No, she's Scottish. She's from Edinburgh. And, and it's a doctor who's saying that, you know, they're, they're talking about the problems of in Scotland, they're, they're starting to, to notice all these babies under the age of four months or four weeks, something like that dying. Okay. Let me just quick find that because that's that's worthwhile talking about. And 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 yet they don't, they just refuse. Here it is. It's a fresh probe into spike in newborn baby deaths in Scotland. Okay. And this is Dr. Sarah Stock of Edinburgh says, quote, she stressed the COVID vaccine, which studies have consistently shown to be safe in pregnancy, was not a factor. She stressed they were that the studies show they consistently are to be shown to be safe in pregnancy. Let me just point out the real truth. I said, shame on you, Dr. Sarah Stock of Edinburgh. No pre-marketing testing was done on pregnant women. None. Okay. And the first study that came out, they lied about, by the way, they claimed that it didn't show any difference in first trimester um, spontaneous uh, miscarriages. But in fact, 
it was an 83% spontaneous loss of the baby in the first trimester if you'd been vaccinated. That's four times normal. But beyond that, they did a short, uh, that short post-marketing study. There were 278 pregnant women enrolled in the study. They lost count of 238. In other words, that would never be published or accepted as science anywhere else because it's not enough follow-up. The majority, the vast majority of people failed to follow up. Why was that? Did they lose the baby? We don't know. But 238 of 270 pregnant women were lost to follow-up. Of the remaining 32 women that stayed in the study, there was only one live birth. 31 were lost. And yet we're letting her get away with saying, it's, 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 uh, it's perfectly safe. What is happening here? I mean, this is, Mengele should be proud of this. You know what I'm saying? How can you speak like that? We've got to name names. We've got to call these doctors out because I'll tell you what's happening is at the very top of the medical pyramid are the psychopaths that are driving this, okay? Um, look at the eyes of Francis Collins. He's a geneticist that was in charge of the NIH when all this was going on, okay? They funded all this stuff. I mean, through all these different organizations, they funded, they and DARPA, it's all, it's all big money guys funding down into our government and everybody else. Fauci. I mean, they're not, they know better. These are not dumb people. They, they're just lying to you. So, you know, psychopaths are, are what they are. We can, maybe they're aliens, but we don't know what they are, but there's something different than us because they really don't care about humans and they don't think it's going to, they're going to go down. They're going to be above us and we're going to go down. So there's that group. And that's a very small part of the pyramid. Okay. But then you have at the very bottom in medicine, you have the people that are they're stuck. They're in medical education. And I feel terrible for those people because the young men and women that went into medicine because like my son, like my, you know, my older son, because their, their grandparents did, their parents did, you know, everybody, they were a medical family. And now they're stuck in this hellish nightmare. Okay. And most of them though, don't see it as an hellish nightmare. Why? Because they grew up in it. Just like growing up in Nazi Germany or, or Soviet Russia, they accepted all the craziness as part of normality. So they're, they're, they're easy trainable to tell them, you know, I, I have a hard time talking to my son sometimes about, I finally kind of made some breakthroughs on ivermectin, but he's living in a bubble where he just hears the academic physicians who are being guided by the psychopaths on top, tell him what truth is. And then you have right below the top, you have these, this, this huge group of doctors that are out of training, that are working in these hospitals, and they're like this gal, Okay. They're either being just parroting what they heard and they're not looking at the original data themselves because they can't. And in some cases, they may just not believe that they're being lied to. They see the world. And, you know, I, I can remember Peter McCullough. When I first met Peter McCullough on a podcast with um, Harvey Frisch from Yale and somebody from and uh, Free from Harvard, these are all big academic guys. And then there was little old me on this podcast. And they're all scratching their heads like, you know, this is early on and they're saying, how can they be saying that? That's not right. That's just not good science. Why are they thinking that way? And finally, I couldn't take it anymore. I said, guys, you are assuming these guys are trying to do the right thing. We're at war. They're trying to kill you. And they all looked at me like I'd fallen off the moon. Well, now they're coming around. I mean, Peter McCullough came around and, and, and stood up. So, and, and so did Harvey first. But I mean, these, this is what we're facing. And it's just, I think in that group of doctors in the mid, mid range there, there are some that are that that understand it's a lie. 
they understand the damage and they're afraid to speak out or they'll speak out privately. Maybe uh, Jane, you've had people or Roy, you've had people come to you and say, I don't want to give you my name, but this is what's happening in the hospital. And I say to them, why? Because you're worried about losing your job. Yeah, I'm worried about losing my job. Okay, so you're worried about losing your job at Auschwitz. You know, it's, it's time, guys. I gave you a pass for a long time. It's time now. You can't keep working for a system that's mass murdering people. And that's what you're doing. You are absolutely doing that. And I know in America. And then there's a group of people that I really don't think understand this. I think, you know, maybe they're off in some other part of the hospital or whatever, but they just, they just are, you know, they can't because of their, their belief about the world. They don't believe in this kind of evil, you know? And so they're, they're, they can't believe their leaders are, are lying to them so badly that they'd be willing to kill people. So these are the people I think you're going to see some suicides happening when they wake up and they realize that they've been giving people like these pregnant women telling them to get their, their vaccines. They're going to have a, have a come to Jesus moment. They're going to have a moral qualm suddenly hit them and, and you're going to lose some of them. We already lose a lot of, um, we lose the equivalent in America, one medical school class every year to suicide. That's going to go up. Um, I, and, I've heard suicide has gone through the roof over the last couple of years. And oh. just in Poland, like I see loads of posters of pregnant women getting the jab and the sign saying it's safe and doing it. And, you know, I cringe looking at the, the advertisements that they're, they're pushing on people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's horrible. And, um, and, and, and so and I think I've also heard and I'm not advocating violence in, in any way, but I'm just I've heard this from other people saying, it, that next year may be the year of the assassin once they realize what these companies have done. I wouldn't stand too close to Albert Burla, in other words. <laughs> I think what's going to happen is, like, I know personally of a lot of people, their loved ones were killed in the hospital. They know they were killed they in know a few countries. In Poland, I know somebody personally. We know somebody from the UK that was on our show. And we know, like, I've had another guy on, on my guest from America, and they, 100% that they were murdered. And they're they're kind of really <clears throat> pushing the fight, but there'll be a few people that will snap when they realize it. Cause there is a load of people that are fast asleep and they think we're not jobs for what we're actually coming out, but it's only when they get the pain that they actually start reacting. And, you know, we don't want to see that either. We'd prefer that, you know, they were brought to justice and like going, going back onto the DNA, like one thing that happened when everybody was shut down, is they were ramping up the 5G. And in Poland, where I'm in Mochim, it's, it, it's unbelievable. Like, I can't go anywhere without seeing it. It's on hospitals. It's on the schools. Every school. Yeah. Massive amount. And I'm convinced they'll just switch a button because I know with the spooky device, frequency device, so if people aren't familiar with that, you can cure yourself of cancer. You sure. can cure yourself of anything. even oh, really? But you can also do the wrong things. And they know that. And by having all these toxic ingredients in people's bodies, they're going to just hit a button. And I know that in the government, there's a, a document about a zombie apocalypse. And it's not like, just one. It's like all over now. Everybody and, has a plan. <laughs> and people were thinking, I'm nuts. And I go, no, you can actually check that. And I'm convinced that's what it is. They'll turn a switch and we won't know what's going on. Like, Yeah, I think it's going to, some people are going to be uh, weaponized somehow. I think that's what you're talking about. And, um, you know, you know, 
J. Edgar Hoover, who was our FBI director, it's one of my favorite quotes, but he was our, he was the founder essentially of our FBI. And he said that the individual is handicapped by coming face to face with a conspiracy so monstrous he cannot believe it exists. Let me just throw another one about this whole frequency thing. Remember Luc Montagnier, his experiment with the DNA, and he basically showed that you can recreate DNA will self-organize itself to match other DNA if it's put into a field of the Schumann resonance, which is the resonance of the earth, 7.82 hertz, right? I woke up the other night and I said, that's what they're doing. Because I was driving home from someplace and there was a big windmill farm, those huge blade windmills that you have in Europe and we have in, in America. Now, those have not done anything except make the world dirtier. They kill animals. They killed a whole bunch of bald eagles here recently in the Midwest. They, uh, they damage the roads, which have to then have lots of energy applied to fix. They don't work very well. They're half, half of the time they don't turn on because the, the, the wind is too strong or not strong enough. And they haven't shut down one fossil fuel coal plant. Now, we could have built nuclear plants and fossil fuel coal plants with new technology that are not, you know, putting out toxic stuff into the air. But we didn't do that. We built these things. And what's the point here? The point, I think, is these things have a big, slow blade going around that creates a frequency. And the reason I even thought about this or know something about this, I spent 10 years in the Navy, and part of that time was on a submarine base. Here's how it works with extra long frequencies. You know, the, what you're talking about, 5G, is a short wave. Notice you'll know that they're putting in 5G in your neighborhood because they cut down all the trees because it can't penetrate very much, but it can, it can take a lot of data. But the extra long frequencies can, can give you huge amounts of, of penetration. So these things, we had them for calling the submarines under the polar ice cap. In the, the nuclear fleet, the point is that they go out into a box. Nobody knows exactly where they are, even the, even the chief of naval operations, because they're told you be in this box, but they're not going to tell. Only the ship knows where they are in the box. It's the boat. So they're, they're under the, the ice cap. They're in this box. But if they have to get them to surface, they have to send them a signal. So they built these big antenna arrays to send these extra long frequency signals down to the to the submarines. And all it would tell, couldn't, couldn't give much information, but it would say, hey, come sit, come to the surface now. And then we'll tell you the rest of the information. Well, they got, they got maximum shit from Greenpeace and other people because they said, oh, you people in the Navy with those ELFs, you're damaging the whales, uh, sonar or their ability to, to migrate and talk to each other. But keep in mind, we were just doing, and I say we, the Navy was just doing little individual bursts of this in a rare time when they needed to, as far as I know. This was not a constant thing. But guess what produces a constant ELF that is so penetrating that it bounces off the other side of the world and comes back? Tesla knew that. Those, those windmills. So when you go out and you lay on the ground thinking you're going to get the Schumann resonance and you're going to, it's going to, the resonance of the brain, the resonance of your DNA, the resonance of the world, what are they doing to it? I can't prove that either, but you know what? That really bothers me now that suddenly I started thinking about that. We are all, I don't know about you, but I just don't feel, yeah, I'm getting a little older, but I, I took a big downturn these last few years. And it wasn't just because of getting sick with COVID. I didn't get that sick. It was like something is changing in the world. I don't feel as good.
I don't know if, how many people have that feeling. And I do everything I know how to do about eating right and, and taking natural balanced nutritional supplementation. And I do my own garden. I have my own chicken eggs. I mean, I can take, you know, I can eat well. It's still, there's this, this electromagnetic thing that you're talking about is the kill shot. And I think that there's no question that there are nanotechnologies in these vaccines. And not everybody got them, you notice. I mean, that there's clearly been an experiment, a post-marketing experiment on the whole world because Pfizer, you know, that lot toxicity study that showed that some lots were very toxic and most lots were not. And some lots and then the, everything in between. And that they purposely, the, the one that's most incredible was the Pfizer release that showed at first it was very toxic and then it was a little, then they had a pause and release and then they were less toxic, a pause and release, less toxic, pause and release. In other words, they were doing a dose response curve. They were showing there's something, we don't want everybody to drop. Oh my gosh, this is bad. We're having people drop over right in the inoculation site. We got to do something else. So they started changing something so it didn't kill you immediately, but trust me, it's not going to be good long-term. Exactly. Listen, thank you very much. I'll pass you over to another doctor, Jane. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. I'm enjoying it so much. And how much time do you have, hon? Uh, whatever you guys have your show, that's fine. You're, I, you're I okay? Have, this, this is my yeah. thing today. Okay. Um, you know, I've been watching or studied the history of pole shifts for I don't know, 15 years and was really interested in that before this broke out. And then it changes your focus, right? Right, right. But, but we have, we're very due for a pull shift. And yeah. historically, we have an uptick in our vibration as humans when there is a pull shift. And I've, I've often questioned if this isn't all tied together, because if they can control our vibration, our DNA, then we won't have that uptick, right? And we won't regain our power as humans. So there's something really big going on. Well, that's, and so I've heard two, I mean, there's kind of two schools of thought, it seems to me about this. And this is, this is a little far out there, but I think that obviously there's a lot of stuff that's far out there that really is happening. I mean, we just, if I, if I said 10 years ago, I'd be talking about satanic pedophiles ruling the world. I thought, no, you, you've lost your mind. Go to, go to the insane asylum. But it looks like it's true. But, but so one, one theory is we were due for this ascension. And so they're keeping us controlled by keeping the vibration low. In favor of that is what is Saturn? <laughs> you know, I don't know if you know about the rings of Saturn and the ring makers of Saturn, but it's being, it looks like the rings are, are sound wave represent. I mean, they're essentially harmonics. They're changing all the time. And Saturn puts out a sound that's, that's coming to us. It's, it's a weird thing. And they have all this Saturn worship on earth. So that could get, go along with what you're talking about, that we're, we're literally on a prison planet. We're being, we, we should be at a higher dimension and we're being held down. I kind of like that. The other thing about this pole shift, though, is I don't know if you followed this planet X or this Nibiru, this whole idea of the Anunnaki and this whole other being in a binary star system. And unfortunately, there's enough scientifically sound stuff about that that it makes me think that could play a role, but the problem, I don't know how, but, but you know, if it's every so often that it happens, you're starting to hear people again, you know, in 1950, the astronomers actually were talking about seeing this rogue planet and seeing this stuff. And then it all got shut up. That's always a sign that something's up. 
and I don't know how to put it together, but one of the one of the sites that I heard somebody talking about this in a, in a reasonably scientific manner, they were saying, look, if you were the governments of the earth and you knew that a planet, so a small solar system was about to pass through ours and could do unbelievable damage and kill a lot of people, how would you handle it? You're not going to tell the human race the truth, right? So I hope that's not what's happening, but that's also another possibility that they know something really bad is coming and they're just going to ease us into it in a way that we can consider, continue to survive as a race. I don't really favor that because there's too much satanic ugliness behind this. I think it's, I, I think that they're really not trying to do the good thing for us. I don't think keeping oh, no. information in any way is good, but yeah. 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 But there may be a combination of those two things. We still might have to face that. I don't know where that, but I'm, I'm, it's all about vibration. We are holograms and our DNA is the antenna from God. I think that's what we are. Yeah. And they don't really, and look at you in favor of that, you see people that say, I took the shot and I can't feel God anymore. Okay. They, they don't feel connected. Yeah. And I, you know, I myself feel a little disconnected. I'm more than, you know, like the, 10 years ago, if you tell me how I felt about connecting with the great oneness of God, I, I felt closer. And I, and I don't know. And that's in spite of not, it's not about not wanting to be close. It's about there's something going on that's preventing that, I think, a little bit. Yeah. And so it could be, like, yeah, the other things we've been talking about. Yeah. So, yeah, and I wanted to just talk about fear and mind control. And, you know, the situation we're in now, you have people cheerleading saying that it's a good thing to hand our power over to the WHO for this treaty. Oh, and, my gosh. Right? Like, it's, it's, it's just insanity. And, but first, I wanted to ask, where, where do you think you became so fearless and so immune to this mind control and then get into what's happening like as a species and with this treaty, like it's really scary. It helped a lot not being a cheerleader, no offense to cheerleaders, but it helped a lot not to be popular as a kid. I grew up in a small town where everybody made fun of me because I was the brainiac and you know, the blah, 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 blah. And, and, you know, you have to learn to put up with that. And and I, you know, I felt, and my answer to it was I, I kind of buried myself in books, my family and my close friends. And I just didn't pay attention to this noise over there that I thought was very superficial. And, and I, and I'm back living in that town. And, and now I have friends that were on the other side of that. But you know, as you grow up, you get smarter. So everybody got smarter in different ways. But that kind of made me somewhat, I think, immune. And he also, as I grew up with parents that were willing to talk about anything, they were just, you know, I'm one of the few people I'm, I'm very fortunate to say, I mean, I just really feel like I'm one of the few people I know that has no complaint about my parents. You know, they were wonderful people and they always were there for me and and you could, and we used to have great debates and I'm hoping, you know, my, I have two boys and, and they grew up kind of the same way. I'm not sure I was as good a parent as my, my mother, but you know, the, the, um, we had great debates around the dining room table. And I remember that when I was a kid growing up, this was the Vietnam war. And, you know, I mean, my dad, who was the local doctor at age 65, I remember that there was a big thing on the TV about these protesters in the 60s burning their draft card. And he just, <laughs> we were sitting just to finish dinner. He says, 
oh, hell, I can do that. And he pulls out his wallet, takes his draft card out. We go out on the front porch and he burns his draft card. No, he's 65 years old. He's not going to get drafted. But they did. But his point was that doctors were the one group being drafted by profession back then. And that's what they do by for doctors. But anyway, but I was in a household of free thinkers. And my, you know, what, what bothers me a little bit is that my boys who were the anarcho-capitalists back then, they were the, they, they, they would, we would have these minarchist, anarchist arguments of, over the principles of government when they were younger. Now I'm kind of the anarchist and they're kind of the status. I'm telling you, no, no, guys, don't listen to those guys. They're, but, but part of this is you're still my kids and they still have to always take the other side and argue the, you know, argue from, I think we're having some, you know, but that's what I think is going on. I think that it's how you were brought up. And uh, unfortunately we have a lot of people that were brought up trusting the government for everything. And, you know, um, I can remember my parents, my, I can remember my dad, I was a little kid and I used to do house calls with my dad and carrying his black bag and, and going out on these farm roads and stuff. And I can remember when Medicare first came, or not Medicare, when, yeah, Medicare, when Medicare and Social Security first came in. And he was also a dentist and he was, he was, he quit academics. He was a small town doc and dentist, dentist. And he was having to argue with the Medicaid, Medicare people about what tooth he pulled out because they were claiming it was one kind of tooth. And he said, you know, this is no, no good will ever come of this. This government bureaucracy is going to kill us all. And he was prescient, you know? So people knew there were, there were people you, what's interesting. I love telegram and things because it takes you back and it talks about, you can find out history, people talking way back that knew what was going on. And one of them, you know, this whole issue of Ukraine, Okay. One of them is, you know, just, and I also think God puts, puts stepping stones. I'm here for a reason. You're here for a reason. We're all here for a reason. And, and we're being put here to fight this war. And I never would have quite thought it was so purposeful, but everything in my life has put me here. And, and one of them is that I got involved in the Doctors for Disaster Preparedness. It's a group that was set up after World War II to look at the issues of nuclear survival from a nuclear war, for example. What I found out, though, is that all this talk, and the other thing that was interesting is I took care of the doctors in Hiroshima who were there for the American Bomb Casualty Commission. I was with the Marine Corps in Iwakuni, Japan, which is like 25 kilometers from Hiroshima. And those guys were there. They were there. They were sent there after the war. They thought they'd be there six months and 35 years later, they're still there. So they're older guys now and they needed some health care and they would come over to the clinic and we'd talk. A lot of the stuff, most of the stuff we've been taught about nuclear danger is just false. How many people realize? So, for example, and a lot of what that those episodes, those experiences in my life have taught me is, is that um, and, and also um Hanford, the, listening to this guy at Hanford, who was the head guy on recycling and reprocessing spent uranium and plutonium from the war. We didn't used to have dosimeters. We used to not worry about this, this type of radiation in the way that we do now. And what's happening in, what happened in Chernobyl? How many people realize that Chernobyl was functioning nuclear reactor ever since that accident? That there were that yes they zeroed out they moved out all these cities but the deaths really ensued after Chernobyl there were the two major causes of death it was not radiation if anyone died of radiation which I can't prove it was very few people 
they found the people that were purportedly killed because they were the brave firemen going in there. Now they say, no, no, that guy is alive. Here he is. So I don't know the truth of how many actually died, but it wasn't, it was a handful. It wasn't very many. The 2,700 that died, just like in Fukushima, which I actually know the numbers, is that they were from the translocation. In other words, they, 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 they emptied out that whole area, that little town, uh, I always want to say Priyapit. That's not the pronunciation. It's, it's some. It's some name. That little town starts with a P. That was right near their old time Russian town, and this big industrial city that was around Chernobyl. Those are all like ghost towns. They're emptied out. But a lot of the old people came back. But that translocation of elderly people and people that have to suddenly leave their house that kills people. Happened in Fukushima. Radiation death at Fukushima zero. Translocation death at Fukushima over ten thousand. Okay, so that's what happened. Now. Ukraine was benefiting from having electricity from Chernobyl ever since then. Most people don't know that. So there were staff that were the same staff in a lot of cases as what happened at the accident. So it was one tower that went down. The other towers are still functional. So what happened just recently? Why would you lie about that stuff? This is what back to Roy's point. Why would you lie? Why is everything infiltrated? The answer is yes. Why would you lie about that? You Besides the, the, the bioweapon stuff that was going on in, in Chernobyl, Maybe they were hiding something there. If you wanted to hide a nuclear weapon to use for terrorism, where would be a better place to hide it? Oh, under, a, under an under an abandoned area that has a nuclear plant. Because nobody's going to see you there going in and out working on it because the whole area is abandoned, right? And the, um, and the signature's covered because you've got a nuclear plant functioning above there with, a, with some debris that may be covering a signature. Now, in... I honestly think that's what's been going on. And again, I can't prove this. This is just me thinking about it. But having some understanding of the real issues of nuclear danger, because it isn't what we were told. In other words, why would you hide the fact that you can hold plutonium, plutonium in your hands as long as you don't get a mass effect, as long as you don't have critical mass, and that you can do all these things. And you can, like the guy that we used to run Hanford, the, the nuclear plant up in Washington, he used to swim in the water of the cooling tower. He used to drink that water every day. He used to draw the nuclear regulators, just made him crazy. But that isn't what he, he didn't get cancer and die from any of that. So he said, why would you hide the, the safety of this? One is because uh, plutonium is very expensive. It's very, very precious. But in those days, in the 70s, it was like a million dollars an ounce. And it was paid for by the taxpayer. And you could go in and siphon it off and sell it on the black market and nobody's auditing it because you've told them it's so dangerous. Don't touch this stuff, right? You can't transport it. Can't do anything with it. Second reason that you might want to do that is because that's where you bury the bodies. Okay. What's underneath. So I asked a friend of mine who's kind of an international guy who says, who, who has kind of ears to the ground all over the world, you know, in, in banking and other things. He said, what would you hide under nuclear power plant? He's the one that got me thinking about this. And I said, I don't know, like a military base, you know, deep underground military base or something. No, he says a nuclear weapon. Well, look at, look at the news. Here's how you find out what they're lying to us about. Just look at what the news is pushing on you as a narrative. Okay. One of the things they're pushing is um, first they said, Oh, Putin's going to nuke Paris or a nuke. And, and my neighbor literally came over, was terrified. says, it's terrible. He's going to nuke Paris. He's going to. I said, no, no, calm down. Go back to bed. He's, he's, Putin is not going to nuke Paris. That's not what's really happening here. 
So that, but that was the first disinformation that the military or that the newspapers put out. Second thing they said was, and I just think this is interesting. I mean, I, I'm again, this is me being a little on the on the edge here. Um, the second thing they said was, oh, those darn Russians, they came into Chernobyl, they turned off the electricity, and now the whole thing's going to melt down and spew radioactivity all over the country. Did that happen? Of course not. But the third thing they said is, oh, those darn Russians, they came in, and when they left, there's now there's nuclear material missing from Chernobyl. Okay, now this is just me dot connecting. I put those three things together. Here's what I really think's going on. I think this deep cabal, deep state, and I think Putin's part of the takedown of that, the deep cabal, deep state was building a nuclear weapon for the worst false flag terrorist attack we would ever see, that we're going to take out a European city if they had to, to, to convince people we need to have another war, we need to keep, you know, all this kind of stuff that they love, because normal people don't want to go to war, and it's getting harder and harder to get humans to want to go to war. So they had to do, so that was, that maybe have been in the works. And then the Russians went in and they turned off the electricity temporarily so they could go down below, get the, defuse the bomb, take the stuff away and leave. That fits all the narratives in the, being pushed on the newspaper. We'll see. I think we're going to find out because Putin was KGB. He knows how to get intel. And I think that he's got all the intel out there before he went in kinetically and is sitting on it right now. Now, you know, our problem here in this whole war of information and, and who's who and what's what, I mean, from Trump to to Fauci to everybody, is that we don't know, we don't, you know, we have some suspicions of the real bad guys, but it's a little hard to tell the good guys because we don't have a program. This is a big Shakespearean play, and, and I hope it's not a tragedy, but we're in a big play and we're watching a lot of people and we don't have a program to know who's who. Because if you're going to take down, if there really is a, a, a movement in the background, a military-based movement in the background to take our world back, they're not going to be, they have to be super clandestine because this is a huge cabal that rules the world. And, and you know, hard to take that back. So I don't know. I think that's where we are. I, I think when you look at some things, it looks like we're hopeful. But, you know, it's like D.C. I talked to a, 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 some I talk, people come up to me at meetings. I talk to like defense intelligence agency people and I talk to other people. And I, you know, in America, the question is, are we in devolution? Is there really a military thing going on in the background? Well, there's some evidence for it. And there's some evidence kind of against it. But one guy, this is a retired military general, and I think he kind of hit it on the nose. He said, look at Washington, D.C. right now. It's completely incompetent. Those people that are there, it's not just that they're bad. It's not, it's not they're evil and bad guys. It's that they're totally incompetent and they're backed up with incompetent people. I mean, Biden and Kamala Harris, do you really think they're running the show? No. So he said, somebody else is driving the train. We just got to hope it's the good guys. I mean, for whatever reason, but it's not, it can't be those guys. And I can tell you the other thing that really, when you ask how I got into this, the other thing, I, I mean, this isn't really how I got into this, but I, I went out to January 6th, okay? I said, when the president of the United States says, come out and support, you know, what's, you know, support the truth, I think that's okay for me. One time in my life, it's the only time in my life I ever really did something like that. But I went out and, and, and it was so obvious. It was just like being in a Monty Python skit. I'm telling you, the, the day before there was a, there was a pre-rally and there was just, it was singing. It was, it was a band playing. It was people just walking over. It was completely peaceful. 
Everybody left by four o'clock. By the time we get back, I got, I was there all by myself. By the time I got back to the hotel on the subway, it was, it was, you, I went to the bar and I, and I'm looking at the TV as is everybody else. And it's showing these guys rioting and throwing Molotov cocktails in DC. And I'm going, and, and they're naming us, you know, as if the January 5th people would, what? Now I was there. It can't be that January 6th. I was there. I went to the speech. I stood there. He did not get done speaking until after a lot of this stuff that we heard about later happened. We, we, as the, as the peaceful patriots, we just walk, we walk pat, we walk down the mall. We walk past a huge group of Chinese communist people. I mean, Chinese people with signs saying CCP evil. And they're very, you know, when the Asians protest, it's all very, you know, it's all very, very coordinated. They just, you know, they don't do it randomly like Americans. We're just kind of all over them. So they had, they all had uniforms. They all had masks that said CCP evil. They wanted to sign petitions. They were just very organized. And it was huge, huge thing to the Chinese. I'm walking farther on. I run across a group of people and it's, it's, uh, I, I went up to them. I said, I don't recognize the sign. And they said, oh, we're Vietnamese Republicans. Really? And they were marching in in order and, and, and protesting irradiance for Trump. It was, it was unbelievable, but we went up, I, and I met these two guys that were oath keepers that I'd met the night before in the, in the hotel in the bar. And so I was standing with them and, and we're up on the steps of the Capitol. And literally this is about two 30 in the afternoon when most of whatever you saw on the news had taken place, this whole thing, this whole, whatever, whatever that was really all about. But at two 30, he looks at his watch and he goes, Oh, it says here, Trump supporters are storming the Capitol. Now, literally, I had my American frontline coat, doc, doctor's coat on, and I was there, standing there, and people were, you know, coming up to me and said, hey, we love you guys. And I was talking to them about hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin, and they'd ask me questions and say, oh, I've seen your videos and, you know, take selfies. That's what it was about. We're standing on the steps of the Capitol doing that, and they're telling us we're storming the Capitol. Literally, I mean, remember that Monty Python's thing where they're coming up to the to the castle and they've got coconuts like the horses? I thought, here we are. How could we be storming? This is storming. Is this what happened at the Bastille? So we're in a play and it, it affects medical. It affects everything. But the one true thing that we can say here is our human response to what's going on. That's the one thing we know. And when you see somebody like this doctor in Edinburgh that's willing to murder unborn babies. Oh, and by the way, that's the other group that got hurt by Chernobyl when it blew up. They aborted 2,700 plus babies in Europe because people were worried about birth defects that never happened. Yeah, I know that also from Hiroshima. That never that was one of the things that never happened. But yeah, these these guys... You, these guys have to be held accountable for not standing up for humanity, not standing for your freedom over your own body. That's, and that's where we're, I see hope because people are taking to the streets, you know, everywhere. Um, in fact, who was, who's the Canadian, um, Brad, uh, oh, his last name starts with a C. And he had those Calgary rallies, huge Calgary rallies, and they tried to, to, to find him. They tried to take him to court and they find him essentially $13,000 for peaceful protests doing no nothing except just talking with a microphone. And he had thousands of people at these rallies and they, they took him to court. He just won that case. So things are, things are turning around a little bit here for some reason that I can't, again, I, I think there are things behind the scenes we don't see, but. Yeah. 
And, you know, no matter what, our most important thing is our connection to God and to listen to our inner voice. Right. And my mom taught me what seems is not and is not seems. She said that to me all the time when I was a kid, right? Question well, is everything. that right? Yeah, question everything. And so even with this treaty, what, oh, we, can, yeah. what we can hope for is that more wake up and just complete non-compliance. Like, what, what's your thoughts on that? Well, see, that's the problem. And I, you know, I, I used to be very politically active until I realized that my politicians were all going, you know, yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm going to do that. And then they turn around and vote with the big money. So they're all bought. And I will tell you how I, I, I learned this about politics just recently. If you don't think there's a control mechanism, my, I had a friend who is well-known podcaster and he was going to run for Congress and he had been on the Reagan transition team or Reagan medical uh, committee to, to reform medicine for president Reagan. And he was really good at it. So he thought, so people said, you should run for Congress. And he was going to do it. And somebody took him aside and said, hey, you know, so-and-so, don't do that. I've looked into, I know you, I know you can't be bribed. And I've looked into your past and you don't have any skeletons in the closet, which means they can't blackmail you, can't extort you. If you can't be bribed and you can't be extorted and you come to DC, they'll kill you. That's the only three options. So this explains, I mean, Rand Paul just stood up and did a great thing by stopping that money temporarily, at least to Ukraine. But is it temporary? Does it, is it for show or does it really work that way? You know, even the guys we think are the really good guys. If you really look how they vote occasionally, they do this crazy Ivan and they vote like with, with the libs when it really counts in a way we don't understand. It's so deep, you know, convoluted stuff. And I'm going to say, all the years that I wrote letters to my congressman and did all that stuff, did it make, do I think it made a difference? I don't think so. Now, locally, there's hope. You can do, you know, the closer you are, and our founding fathers knew that, the closer you are to government, the more chance you have to make a difference. And I do think we're making a difference at the state's level and at the local level. But when it comes to this international treaty, you know, so you know, I'm, I'm passing it on, call your congressman, you know, call your senator. It's worth a try to everybody call, but really, is it going to matter? Are they going to really listen to us? I mean, I, I think we ought to, the left knows how this plays. What are they doing? They're illegally going to those Supreme Court justices that voted to ban or to overturn Roe v. Wade, which does not ban abortion, but it overturns the federal imposition of their moral codes on the states. So they, they, those, those judges are being doxxed by the population. They're going to their homes. Now, we don't do things like that because we think that's kind of immoral. I mean, then it's, it's also illegal when it comes to a judge. But, but quite frankly, maybe we should be doing that. We should be holding them individually accountable. And see, they're behind us, such a protected screen. You're not going to be able to do it easily. Maybe it's gonna. Maybe it's gonna take like the truckers with some pitchforks around the, the capitals of our nations, or maybe they're going to. Maybe they're going to sign it, and it's going to take um, an actual armed conflict with the UN peacekeepers. I don't know. I, I wish I had a, a solution to this. I mean, people need to understand it's happening and speak out. And we, you know, there's three phases of revolution. The first one is convincing people you need to revolt against something evil.
And, and I think we've done that. But here's a point where we can do it some more. The second phase is passive resistance. Well, how do you passively resist against this? If they sign the treaty, the way you passively resist is not do anything that's in compliance with the treaty. And that will have to be implemented locally. Now, I don't know how it works in other countries, but in, in America, the reason we have the sheriff is elected at our counties. Every county in America has a sheriff that is elected. That prevents the king or the president or any, any major central authority from taking the law into their own hands in your county level, theoretically, if you've got a good sheriff. And then we did that because we didn't want to be like the British at the time. That's what they have. They, they had the sheriff, the, the government, at the, the crown controlled the sheriffs, and I think still do. We don't. So that's a big thing that we have that we can use. If, but that's for, not, that's for stopping the implementation. I don't know how you stop them from signing it. Because look at what they do. I mean, these guys are voting for horrendous things. And it, no, no amount of death of, of babies, of, of, of loss of, of babies in the womb, you know, murder of people, murder of our military, nothing is stopping this rollout of these toxic genetic agents. If they can't, if, if, if people are not willing to vote to save children, you know, not one level of government stood up to prevent children from being experimented on by this stuff. So why do we think that they're going to, to have the wherewithal to stop this treaty? That, unfortunately, that's my honest appraisal of this. You know, 17, there were 17, just keep in mind, there were 17 experts that testified to the FDA and voted on whether or not that we should vaccinate children with this experimental unapproved genetic agent that has already been shown to not only kill babies or kill children that took the vaccine, but kill babies that drank the breast milk of vaccinated women. And yet 16 voted to go ahead and one abstained. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So complete insanity. Evil. It's complete. It, it, evil. it is evil. Yeah. Let's name it. Yeah, it's complete yeah. evil. And and who are those guys? Well, I know some of them are probably in that group I said were psychopaths. Some of them, I, the names I knew. But maybe some of them are just, either they're bought. Again, think what that guy said about Congress. Either they're bought or they're extorted. Because otherwise they would be dead. They wouldn't be there. I think. Yeah. So I don't know. And that's why I don't know how you're going to vote. I don't know how we vote ourselves. Everybody says, oh, Trump 2024. And I like President Trump, but I'm not sure that we can vote ourselves out of this. And certainly we can't using the same machines that are stealing the elections all over the world. And they don't even get rid of them. You know, right. <laughs> see, I, and, and again, the reason I think there might be a military thing in the background is I think they I think Myanmar was a um, was a beta test case. What happened there? It was the same thing. They had a Chinese-funded uh, puppet. They 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 voted in using these Dominion machines, Softmatic, the whole thing. It was corrupt, just like this. Probably Macron, same thing. It's happening all over. But in Myanmar, after it happened, and they put that puppet in, they gave it a little while, and then the military just stepped in and said no. This was a this was a cheating. We know that the Dominion, you know, we know that the servers have been compromised, and we're not going to accept the vote. But what was the world reaction? Not too bad, but it was like, oh, that's a military coup happening in Myanmar. Well, 
you know, I think that that was, it's not, if, if we had been the test case, the United States, it would have been that just, that's, I think they did that to see, see, I think there's a lot, I do. I think there's an alliance of generals around the world. I think it's an international thing. I think Putin's part of it. It's just me. I'm hope, that's my hopeful belief because without that, I, I just don't see how we win. And then it becomes who's at the very, very top of the pyramid. What is it to be a psychopath? What is it to have no human empathy? Who are these people? And I'll just say this. One of the things they want to do, the Club of Rome was set up. Lord Evelyn Rothschild, I think, signed the documents in the late 60s. And it was signed up specifically to decrease the carbon dioxide problem that they claimed was greenhouse gases, right? I mean, that was their major push. They've got other things. It's all about green stuff, but they 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 sell it to to, to college sociology majors who don't really have enough science and, and have been just brainwashed as a big thing that we have to we have to do that all this. But you know, the reality is if you look, and I got this from uh, Willie Soon, who's an astrophysicist, he gave a talk about the historical carbon dioxide levels. And if you think about it, carbon dioxide used to be seven, 8,000 parts per million. We're living in a world that is 419 parts per million on average. Yeah. Now, what do you need for plants to grow? Plants like between 1,200 and 1,700 or even more, but at least that. And how do we know that? Well, we know it in America because the, the marijuana growers that were doing it in tents in Colorado and other places, they have to pump CO2 into their tents to get the maximum yield. In Spain, that big plane out there, they put CO2 in the tents to get the maximum yield because the, the CO2 of ambient air is not good enough for plants at this point. And we've got a group of people that are pushing an agenda to decrease CO2 lower. And I say to people, what can that mean? Okay, because humans need plants to live. Okay, I get it in World War II where you could be a bad actor. You could be part of this, you know, the, the great cabal in the sky and you could fund both sides of the war. And we know that the, uh, you know, Otto Warburg and Paul Warburg, they funded both sides. They were brothers that funded both sides of, of World War II and worked with the banking house, the Rothschild banking house as well. Okay, fine. You can do something like that and you can hide off in a neutral country and you can tell them, hey, please don't bomb our chateaus. You know, we're helping you. But you can't escape a world that is not fit for humans to live in. And that's what they're bringing us. It's like this whole thing is geoengineering the world for non-carbon life forms. Mm -hmm. So you really have to ask at the big picture what's really, really going on here. Have, is this When we talk about, you know, God and us and a separation, are we on a prison planet and have we been captured by AI? That's one of the theories that Skynet escaped in the in some time and, and is now operating, you know, in, in all sorts of nodes all over the world to take over things, um, buying corporations, you know, three corporations like BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard ostensibly own 90% of the world's corporate wealth or more. I mean, is there something like that behind it? Or is it really just evil people? It doesn't make sense to be evil people, I'm going to tell you. Is it people that are human hybrids with aliens? I, I don't know. But something, I'm going to tell you, there is no human benefit to decreasing our CO2 from where it is right now. And in my state, we've got CO2 scrubbers going. Yeah. Yeah. I I agree. We're in a prison planet and it's something bigger than, than we know. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. So we continue to question and... <laughs> 
And I, I know from my studies too, that the planet naturally warms up with these cycles. And so it's part of the universal um, system and it's part of what happens on the planet. And they're using that in order to roll out all these things for further control. For what end? Who knows? Thank you so much, Dr. Merritt. I'm going to, I'm going to pass you back to Grace and I enjoyed this so much. Thank well, you. Thanks for having me. So much. <laughs> me, me too. Hi, this is, this, our, we took our conversation to many aspects which are truly important and crucial. Um, the audience uh, expresses their gratitude, Dr. Lee, and, you know, she's from the Philippines and said, you know, about mentioning that just friends just dropping one after another. And, I know. And of course, also, I don't know what was released, but maybe in relation to the, what we mentioned about um, aliens and said uh, that there's a hearing was released from Senate hearings about UFOs. So that might be something we have to check on what was released for today. And um, comment that people are already being weaponized. And because we, we, we always wonder about these sudden shootings here and there. Oh, yeah. That is, that's def. I don't wonder anymore you, because look at when they happen. They happen right before we have a big bill to uh, something to do with the Second Amendment, and and right now it's about uh, open carry. Um, and so it's a big SCOTUS thing that's about to come down, and they start having people do shootings. And I'm going to tell you, we know what we didn't get into it. Jane mentioned mass mind control. You know that's part of this war that started at the turn of the century in 1900 as well. You know, when they changed the tuning frequency for orchestras, they also set up a trauma-based mind control center called the Tavistock Institute. And they looked at how they can not just control one or two people, but mass mind control population. And those are the techniques being used on the world right now. Correct. I, I agree. And then um, since we mentioned about the DNA, so there was a question here or a comment or a request that if you can mention talk a little bit about the intron dna if you like because i believe this is in relation to when we're talking about that they're messing with our dna and that current science is only mentioning part of our dna they don't really know everything about our dna and that maybe the the thing is the hidden our hidden strengths are in that intron DNA. So if you want to speak. What kind of DNA are you talking about? I just, I keep like internal. Intron, intron, I-N-T-R-O-N. Oh, I -N -T -R -O -N. Well, again, I, all I can say is, is that we, even the people that claim to be DNA genetic experts, and again, these are the ones that are talking, but um, there's a guy who, uh, I can't think of his name right now, but he's the guy that really discovered or produced the first GMO potatoes and they he's a genetic researcher and 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 big in in uh i think monsanto or whoever it was that first came out with these and and he has a whole book that now you cannot find they've taken it down but he still has some interviews you can find and if you search that you know if you google that read what he has to say about what his he said he said you know we we knew, you know, here we are changing the DNA of our food and how they did it. This is, this is the point. This is what they did. They, they made it so that the potato didn't bruise. 
because they didn't want, they, it's all, it was all about shelf life, right? They wanted to be able to have potatoes that didn't get rotten because that's our big, one of the big costs in the food supply chain. When you, when you don't grow locally, you get it from a distance. It has to last longer. But he said, what we, what we did not know is that we were kind of, it's a shotgun. It was just like, oh, if we do this, we got this result. If we did this, but it's not because we knew about exactly what we were doing genetically. And he said what it ended up that we ended up doing was we stopped the, the bruising. So you didn't see the rot in the potato, but the, pe chem but the potato was chemically rotting. Now it just looks like a good potato. Isn't that thing? Isn't that, isn't that great? And here's what his comment was. And this is my point about these introns. I mean, the, the whole idea, because there's so much of this dark DNA that we don't know anything about, right? It's just like it, we always thought it was what they call it, junk DNA, we didn't know because it was most of our DNA. Some of it, we know what it does, but most of it, we doesn't. And here's what he said. He said, we knew less about the, the actual genetics mm -hmm. than uh, most people know about reading the Bhagavad Gita in Sanskrit. You know, I mean, it, it would be, we, we really thought we knew something, but we really knew very little. And then we're mucking around with it. And that's the problem here is you're right. And I think, you know, we know, for example, that, we share, I mean, somebody said this the other day and I haven't verified it, but I think it's probably true. About 50% of the DNA that we know about is the same as in a banana, you know, but there's critical differences. There's critical things that we don't know how it works. And I'll tell you, one of the things that they were doing with this experimentation is they weren't just altering the DNA directly. It's one thing when they, they did that, they replaced like cytosine with the, uh, with a, with a, um, with a different, uh, nucleoside, an artificial. So when you get this, you you now have artificially altered DNA if it gets into your nucleotome, which we think it does into your, into your nucleus. So they knew that they were doing that. But now we found out they're actually doing line one editing, which takes out whole chunks of DNA, drops out whole chunks of your DNA. Again, for what purpose? To dumb down your immune system so that this stuff will get in was one of the purposes that they knew about. But there's another thing that's like a higher level DNA. It's like a controlling DNA and it's uh, and self-amplicating self-amplication DNA, SADNA. There's all these different DNAs, but now that, but they're changing some of this. That is the regulatory DNA of your DNA, these regulatory levels. So this is a huge, you see what I'm saying? It's a pyramid of control and they're getting higher and higher in the pyramid, which means that their changes are less specific, but more profound. Yeah. And it so, goes, yeah. yeah. It goes deep down into the quantum level. And, and again, it is, it's, it's really the key to understanding the cosmos as well and understanding us because you did mention about the multi-dimension and that's why I appreciate you and of, uh, you know, some of the frontliners and even historians that look at uh, Matthew Merritt, because you are capable or you have that ability to really think so wide and then go microscopic. And which I know you we are so humbled by saying, <laughs> oh, I can't prove you. However, I just want to tell you, Dr. Merritt, that you have a lot of your DNA activated. <laughs> Because you, because you may not prove it the way they want you to prove it, or the way education, Western science wants us to prove it. But deep in ourselves, 
we know it. So you thank you for sharing that. Even if you say, I can't prove this, but here it is. I can't yeah. prove this. Here it is. Because I believe that is now our direct connection to the source, to God and to whoever we believe in. So we thank you so much. And yeah, see, now you know why we want to invite you again in the future. And I'll just yeah. reach out again for, you know, for to. Well, when I you guys have a great free. show. I thank you. And, and. And tell me again, tell tell them again, other than the medicalrebel.com, don't you have another contact? Or well, maybe uh, I'm working on it. Uh, I'm on Truth Social um, at Freedom Doc. Now, I'm going to tell you that on all my social platforms, now I've suddenly got imitators, which is, I guess, that's a, a supreme form of flattery. But what you have to do is you have to look for the little code. The code that it's really me is that I have the plague doctor mask. You know, my my avatar is a do is a plague doctor with that big, you know, nose shaped thing. So look for that because there's there's like two other three other telegram channels that are Dr. Lee Merritt. There's only one, but I'm Freedom Doc on all my there's Freedom Doc somewhere in all these things, but yeah. So and, and although Dr. Merritt wasn't able to share it in, you know, by the screen, please go to the medicalrebel.com because I everything that he she mentioned she has really um updated her website from two years ago because she wanted to make sure that you get the information okay so I thank you and thank since you. we have been talking about from all the higher dimension I just want to share with you this Anuhazi prayer and the Anuhazi I believe is one of those the race that was able to maximize know and understand their their DNA and they went into ascension which science and all their in uh, intellectuals cannot even prove what happened to them but we right. talked about ascension and so this line says and this is in ahanuhasi language and i'll read it in english it says a two a ten adu vo aya zalu and et aya ave to return to be to desire in source love and grace eternal yeah so Thank divine you. right timing divine right balance and divine right harmony i thank you dr lee carry on we respect you love to you and your family and to thank all you. of you there whoever whatever resonates please share this please share the medicalrebel.com thank you